Hello and welcome everyone to this episode of Down the Garden Path. Each week we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. I am Joanne Shaw, owner of Down-to-Earth Landscape Design, and with me across Zoom is my co-host Matthew Dressing. Hello, Matthew. Hello, Joanne, and good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it's important and possible to have great gardens, which are sustainable and low maintenance, and we want to help you make it happen. That's right. And tonight we are going to continue our month-long look at flowering trees. We feel, um, I hope you enjoyed our show last week where we talked about uh, flowering trees, standard trees, flowering standard trees was our focus. And we, Matt and I talked about it afterwards and we felt like we, there were still many questions from last week that we wanted to expand on. So if you, um, so we're happy to do that. But just so you remember that today is August 9th um, and it is actually our birthdays, right Matt? That's right. So uh, happy birthday, Joanne. Thank you. Happy birthday to you, too. So because we are not going to see each other uh, on that day. So hello, everyone. This is kind of a an early, excuse me, an early recording. That's right. (laughs) So, yeah, so we're going to jump in and we're going to continue our discussion about um, our flowering trees. Last week, if you remember, uh, we talked about all the flowering standard trees. Uh, that we talked about or that were available in the same as the shrubs that we talked about the month before. So if you remember last month, July was all about uh, some of the classic and standard flowering shrubs or uh, not shouldn't use standard there, but flowering shrubs that uh, we use in our garden. And we took a look at hydrangeas in the first two weeks, followed by nine bark and vigilia. And those are also all available in uh, flowering standards. Mm-hmm. If you missed last week, or maybe you're still downloading the podcast and you uh, haven't uh, caught up yet, uh, just w- def- define standard. Uh, so when you go into your garden centers, you're going to find these shrubs that are on standard or are standard flowering trees. And these are standard trees, mean that the shrub that it is has been either grafted or like hydrangeas, they've been trained to have a single trunk and then they're going to grow upwards and outwards to make a little tree like the shrub that it is. So for example, uh, hydrangeas we were discussing last week, uh, they've been trained and then we've got the hydrangea on top. Whereas our lyle, our, our wajelias uh, and our nine barks have been grafted and some of them have been trained. And then we get the tree in that, that height and that width. So we thought as we were rushing to the end of the show and we had wonderful listeners questions, uh, and again, thank you everybody for your wonderful questions. Uh, we were going to jump back in and uh, continue the conversation because there's definitely lots to talk about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I wanted to reiterate, you know, they're basically, sh- I always think of like shrubs on a stick, right? So the shrub, you know, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a trunk, the shrub um, won't get tall, tall. It just fills out. The head fills out a little bit more, much like the native shrub that it would. 
Um, and then the trunk that it's grafted on will eventually get thicker. But again, it's never going to be, you know, a 10 foot tree. Most grafted trees, you know, I guess there are some exceptions, like we mentioned about the mulberry bush and stuff like that. Those can get those older classic uh, standards can get a little bit big. Um, but standard hydrangeas, although I guess I have seen them pretty big, you know, if they're not pruned regularly and stuff, they can get, get to be, but they still look like a, they don't look like a tree tree, right? They still look like a large. Yeah, they still look like their shrubby original form and just raised in that nice tree in that trunk. Right. For sure. Right. Yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. So, so yeah, so we kind of, um, one of the other ones that were so popular, like we talked a lot about hydrangeas last week, but uh, lilac standards was one I felt like we kind of rushed through a bit. Yeah. Um, so, and they have been more common, very ornamental because of how nice and tight uh, they stay really almost like a ball on a stick in some regards. So Miss Kim Dwarf Korean have been standard, like standards of the standards for the last couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, tending to be like the, the smaller uh, leaf, the, the definitely the flower, you know, so they're not, the flower might be similar to the common lilacs, but the actual how those shrubs perform. And it reminds me, Matt, that we've actually never even done a show about lilacs. Um, yeah. But anyway, so the, the dwarf lilacs or the Korean lilacs tend to be much smaller leaves, much more globe shaped and a habit where the blooms kind of uh, are all over the plant versus, you know, the common lilacs tend to be bigger leaves, a lot of a lot, very woody. And often, especially over time, the blooms are all at the top of the plant and there's nothing, you know, um, lower down. So I think that the, that variety, like the Miss Cam and Dwarf Korean made for really great standards when they were grafted onto a stem, because like I said, they were really gave you that formal look, very, very rounded um, flowers on all sides, tiny leaves and tiny flowers. Um, very successful, don't you think? Yeah, I agree. And they're still both um, very sought after today. Um, and we're seeing even some newer ones that, again, echo that, that shape and that size and that flowering. Um, and we, those are the bloomerang uh, lilacs as well. Right. So just like you were describing, they kind of have those, those smaller, rounder leaves, nice and tight and dense. Uh, but the bloomerang group, you're going to find they're going to flush out in that spring. Again, flowers all the way around, uh, nice dense coverage, and they're going to bloom. First thing in the spring is their main flush. And then they get that name, the bloomerang, kind of like a boomerang. They come back around through the season and they continue to bloom on some new growth uh, flowers throughout the season. And again, uh, again in the fall as well. And we can see those again in the pink, the purple, and then the dark purple. So there's a little bit of um, variegation or a, a variety there in the color now, as well as that that nice dense uh, form as well, and the nice trunk. Sorry, are you saying the the bloomerang is available in different colors? Yeah, yeah. So oh, there's I didn't the, know that. Oh yeah. So there's the um, the pink, and then there's the uh, purple, and then there's the dark purple. So the oh, pink. Okay is kind of a, a bright uh, kind of pale pink and then we've got just a classic purple lilac purple and then we get that darker purple color uh, okay. in the bloomerang yeah and I, i've seen all three as the standard oh 
Okay. And, but that has just really been the last maybe two years, right? Bloomerang is really fairly new, maybe in the last five years. And so then it's taken a little while for them to come to the market as a, a standard. The ones when you see driving around that are certainly much more mature are definitely, you know, Dwarf Korean or the Miss Kim. Um, Miss Kim is purple and Dwarf Korean is pink. So those are the kind of the variations there. And they are only blooming in the spring. So so that's, a you know, something to know. Um, but I have seen them, you know, they just really are. <laughs> I just keep laughing when I say standard of a standard. But yeah, <laughs> they are so, very popular. Yeah, those are your your classic go to lilac standards for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Now, they, now let's talk about a little bit about the maintenance of them, because I think that's where some people might have quite if we were live I'm betting we would get a question or two about that about because lilacs can be tricky to prune the shrub and then the standard I think people are afraid to prune them. And then the, the blooms, the, the heads get too big. And often they're planted so common to have them planted by the front door and then now you're like walking around it to get to the front door, because they've gotten too big. Um, so we, is it okay? Is it is it the same thing where you should plant, you should bloom, trim it right after it blooms? Is it okay to plant, to bloom, oh my goodness, to trim it any time of year? What do you think? Yeah, so the lilacs are that group that are going to bloom in the spring, as we said. And then as they grow on that new growth, they're going to set their buds for next year this year kind of like the rhododendrons uh, and the magnolias where you can kind of see those buds forming going through so when you want to prune them you want to do your uh, shaping and your pruning or your shearing back right after it's spring bloom so let it bloom out do its thing fill in and then give your shaping and your shearing and then let all that new growth come out and we'll see uh, that new those new buds next year if we cut it too late um, getting into the fall winter or even early spring so you can if you end up forgetting about it and leaving it until you know early summer or maybe early midsummer you're still okay but if you we get into the fall winter and the spring we can start cutting off we're cutting off that new growth to kind of shape it but we're losing next spring's buds so okay. we never want to do that okay now, is it something, so again, people will kind of usually trim the outside, much like a burning bush, I think. Sometimes you yeah. forget about cutting on the inside. So should you, even though it's rounded and kind of compact, um, every maybe not every year, and I don't think, especially in the beginning, you'd have to do much pruning at right. all uh, anyway. But as it gets, you know, maybe year three, you're starting to do a little bit of shaping. But I think people forget about going inside and just doing some fresh cuts in there just to keep it green. You know, you're not going to see the flowers in there, but I think you don't want the dead wood, right? Yeah, you got it. Every two to three years, you can go in, look at the oldest uh, woods or stalks, and you can always uh, cut those out, up to a third of those out to encourage some new branches to give you some new vigorous growth. Remember, you can always remove anything that is is dead or damaged. If you find inside there's a big broken twig or something that's just flat out dead, uh, you can always cut that back to the next nearest live node uh, or where, you know, the node is where the leaves or the stems will come out uh, and just above that to make it a nice healthy cut so that Mm. she can regenerate. But you can all, yeah, you can always go in and do that and then just make sure, yeah, just to kind of keep it vigorous. Okay, excellent. Excellent. So another popular kind of old fashioned one um, that people talk about is they often call it a snowball 
right? The snowball tree. And, you know, many of us are like, well, do you mean hydrangeas or do you mean European snowball viburnum standards, right? That is right. And I get that one, especially when I'm working in the garden center. Oh, I'm looking for you, this snowball bush. And I always yeah. have to clarify, uh, is it blooming now? And it's in the yeah. summer? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, um, the um, European uh, snowball bush, that viburnum opulus roseum, uh, you get those small snowball shaped clumps of the white flowers uh, in the spring in uh, in May uh, and then there they have a nice little uh, fragrance to them as well uh, but this is a great one this is one we've often uh, as a, again like the I think like the um, Miss Kim or the Dwarf Korean Lilac it's one of those older ones that we've used for quite a while yes uh, it's yes. one of the like the first standard shrubs yes yeah right but unfortunately I mean it is pretty and it is very fragrant um, but boy, is it disease and insect prone, right? Yeah, the biggest thing, and I think the reason it's fallen so far out of popularity, especially is uh, that early, that, that spring viburnum beetle. Uh, mm. So the viburnum beetle lets its larva get on there. Uh, and basically it skeletonizes every single leaf uh, possible. So you end up with all these these nice medium green leaves that are just all lacy and skeletonized. Uh, and it's the larva and then they become their little beetles and they, they disappear. It will come back. Yes. Um, but and, doesn't and kill will, it. Yeah. Right. Doesn't kill it. She will leave out. She will survive. She'll look really nasty and you'll be really upset. Uh, but uh, she will uh, be pretty, pretty nasty looking. So as long as you're not getting this by Burnham beetle year after year, after year, after year, that's where it will slowly weaken the tree and then you'll lose the, the shrub or the, the standard. Um, so yeah, just kind of keep an eye out on that. When they appear, you can use uh, BTK. So it's that Bacillus thernigensis, Karen. And uh, jo Joanne over Zoom is uh, holding one up right now. Um, I'm holding so up a bottle. I never, I bought it in case I got the caterpillars on my, and I didn't get the caterpillars. So I have, I probably could sell this on the black market, right? For some yeah. day more, but at the time. Um, yeah, so I didn't realize that. So BTK. Yeah, I mean, I think it got to be a high maintenance plant. I, you know, it was when I Definitely. first started designing, it was kind of like the peony, like people wanted, a memory from their grandmother's garden or their parents' garden. And so they wanted that uh, flowering viburnum. Um, but one, the other things have really kind of improved and taken its place. So it's been less, you know, you see them less and less. Um, and I, even less and less in the garden centers, I think, to, to use, you know, because I think the issues we had with them as gardeners also had the growers had. So it was hard to sell something that was all lacy foliage and full of insects, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. But that is one that people will remember and may have, you know, our listeners, you may have those in the garden. And so it's great that Matt mentioned that if that is something, if you're having that problem with insects, that um, BTK, which is a biological uh, insect control, um, could be a solution for you. That's right. That's right. And you can usually find it uh, at your, your local garden center, your independent garden center. If you have had a little bit of trouble this year, uh, it was hugely popular, especially just with the, um, 
uh, gypsy moth and all of those caterpillars in the early time of the year. So if you need to, you can should be able to find it now uh, and stock up for next year for sure. Okay. Okay. Um, so coming now the third, you know, kind of traditional and very popular, you know, people will, will think of is, um, is the Rose of Sharon standard, right? So we also haven't done a show on Rose of Sharon's, but they are available as a shrub. But I think they're one that it's almost more popular to have them as a standard. Don't yeah, you think? I agree. And we have there's a great variety of shrubs and cultivars available. Um, and you get some people who, who often pick those up, but one of their main questions is, well, I've seen the tree form. Can I make the shrub into a tree form myself? Or when are you getting in the tree form? So this is definitely one of those classic, um, classic, um, standards wow i totally lost the word i know classic uh, you know wow. classic, yeah <laughs> definitely uh you know standard, standard. um specimen really for gardens especially this time of year you know for me i don't actually design and use rose of sharon very much in gardens despite them being very popular um in the sense that they are popular now because they're blooming you know beginning of august mid-august um yeah. but up until july they look like a dead tree so we really need heat to really, they are in the hibiscus family. So they really don't start leafing out until there's quite a bit of heat um, kind of mid to late July. So um, especially in the front yard, I just think it's just more of a, um, as much as it's a focal point when it's flowering in, in late summer, I think it's too, personally, I think it's too much of a negative uh, focal point for early spring and late spring and early summer even in the garden because it just, it becomes like this, is this alive? Is this dead? Is this, you know, so that's just by my experience. Do you find like do you, the inventory and in stock, like you probably get a few in earlier, but probably more in later in the season, right? Yeah, exactly. We'll see a little sampling of things like the cultivar uh, lavender chiffon, uh, which is that nice double lavender or blue chiffon, which is kind of that true blue. Uh, or a white like red heart, someone like that. And they're just, you know, groups of 10, maybe 20 first thing in the spring, and then that's it. And sometimes we can't get them again until July or August when they're ready to come into leaf and or they're about uh, to flower out again. So yeah, definitely. And, and they, even in the May in the garden center, when you're walking through, you'll find just this gap where they're all dead twigs and it's just, it's a hibiscus. And she's sleeping in. Yeah. Oh, that's a good way to say it, sleeping in, which to me, again, is fine if it's in your backyard. But, you know, right. having that be right at your front door, right at your front window, I don't know. I just think it you're better off to have something that's going to be interesting, you know, have a longer season of interest. You know me, I, I just want the longer season of interest if possible. You know what? I'm right there with you. Um, I really like you. I really don't design with the Rose of Sharon's because of that, especially out in the front yard. You're just going to be like, well, it just looks dead. Uh, and then you're going to be displeased with it. So yeah, if yeah. you really love them, um, for sure, I have put them in and designed with them before for guests, but I always recommend the backyard where you're yeah. not going to have to worry about it. Yeah. yeah. I do think that one advantage of them is the shape. Like they are compared to many of the other ones that, you know, we mentioned the lilacs are rounded. A lot of the wajilias and shrubs can get quite, uh, hydrangeas can get quite um, like big heads on them. Um, whereas the Rose of Sharon does stay very like vase-like, right? It does stay barely compact. 
um, and narrow. And so you can tuck it in amongst things, um, which is which is in the backyard, which is a nice feature. Yes, exactly. So these guys are growing anywhere from like eight to 10 feet tall and that's six to eight feet wide, but always that narrower on their width versus into their heights. Uh, and if you like Rose of Sharon, I haven't seen them on standard, um, but because they are, you know, a medium sized group of, of flowering shrubs, the little Kim or little Kim is the group of uh, the white with the red throat and now little Kim uh, violet with the violet and the darker pink throat, uh, they're going to be the smaller ones and they're that kind of five by four, five by five cultivar. Okay. Um, so they're a little more kind of more rounded, a little bit more upright in their branching, but they're a nice small one. Mm -hmm. um, what about the seeding? You know, Rose I was going to go right there next. Okay, good. Okay. Because <laughs> that does tend to also be a negative. Right. So for more uh, for the shrubs, right? Sorry, I interrupt again, but nope. shrubs not, does that trans transfer to the, the standard? So go, go take it away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Run with it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the rows of Sharon's are, are definitely... Uh, known for their self-seeding. So they can kind of be weedy that way. You get all these little baby rows of Sharon show up, uh, you know, end of May, beginning of June, they start to leaf out. Even later, I've seen sometimes too. Uh, but a lot of people find that that's one of the other things that added to that very high maintenance uh, part of the rows of Sharon. So some of the standards will do it as well because they are still the same cultivar as, as the shrub or they've been trained uh, and they're not grafted, so they are that shrub form, but just with the single stalk. Uh, so they can get very self-seedy, which can kind of get weedy and unpleasant in the garden as well. Yeah, yeah. you think it's a good idea until you have so many roses, yes. Sharon. Like, there is such a thing as too much of a good thing. So, yeah. So, um, so definitely, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. Um, do you have, a, if you were to have, I know that we don't really design with any of them, but... Um, do you have a favorite Rose of Sharon at all? Yeah, I really don't. I have to say it usually I might look at for a color gap, like if we don't have any pink in the garden or, mm -hmm. you know, um, what's blooming at that time of year. So I would kind of and sometimes it's stock like you so not you can't usually be very picky because there's there are so many colors. I find um, that, you know, each grower can't or supplier can't have all of them in. So often if I spec or show, you know, back in the day when I sat at the kitchen table and showed you a picture of two, the two or three that are in my, my book, rarely could I get those exactly, you know, you know, so it was, it's kind of really what becomes in stock. Uh, I definitely think I'm going for like the pink and the purple. I know there is a white one, even the white one with the, with the red throat, you know, there's a lot of white, I guess, because I love my hydrangeas and stuff. I think that time of year, there's a, a lot of white. Same as I was looking, I was driving today and was admiring some uh, white David flocks in somebody's garden and how white, it, how beautiful it looked. But then I thought to myself, well, why would I do that when I'd rather have a hydrangea? So, yeah, so, yeah. so I think, I think that is it, keeping in mind that it blooms pretty much about the same time as hydrangeas. So I think it's better to have like a contrasting color like the lavender um, or, you know, the two-tone lavender and the doubles, I think are pretty neat. They're harder to find in my experience. Again, I haven't looked hard, but, um, I think the the doubles do kind of have a, a, like a, like a carnation look, not, not quite carnation, but, um, you know, they've got a really interesting look to them. A bit yeah, more exotic. 
Yeah, they're definitely a bit more exotic or and like that. And that was to answer with the question, my own question. Lucy is um, uh, one of my favorite ones because it's that okay. double magenta, uh, dark, nice and double dark magenta color uh, for sure, growing eight by six. Um, but then the other one, and I don't know if you know, uh, my two probably new favorites are the Purple Pillar series from Ooh. Proven Winners. Uh, and I love these because you you get, again, the Rosa Share and everything the same. But these guys are very narrow. So kind of going on to what you were saying, the very vertical, very narrow purple pillar and white pillar. Uh, they are going to grow anywhere from 10 to 16 feet tall and Ooh. two to three feet wide. So two to three feet wide and 10 to 16 are almost like an emerald cedar. Yeah. Uh, they can be used for privacy or if you need some good quick growth or just a, a, a small space and you want a Rosa Sharon. Uh, I am enjoying those ones as my new uh, Okay. Now we're, we're definitely talking when we say how late they are to bloom. You I mean, that's here in our zone, which is 5A and 5B. Yeah. Um, and we do have listeners from four to, you know, all over. So that, would they, in a different zone, do you think they leaf out a little sooner or is that really? I think if they end up being a little bit warmer, um, they probably are definitely leafing out much, much quicker. Um, and then your rows of Sharon's are that kind of that, you know, um, I mean, at least purple pillars are zone fives. There are some uh, zone fours. So, yeah, I think if you have a like, cooler season, yeah. Oh, you okay? Yeah. No. Oh, good. okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think if you're warmer, they're definitely out further and almost possibly even semi-evergreen further down for south. Okay. But. So the the Rose of Sharon group, Um, you know, they are definitely a favorite in the garden center and for homeowners, people are definitely asking for them, but just, you know, buyer beware. Um, They have that self seed, they can come out very, very late. Uh, So just kind of use it strategically. Yes, use it strategically. uh, (laughs) Standard trap. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Um, And another one we kind of touched on last week that we can just, you know, do a little bit deeper into as we kind of get closer, right, to halfway through the show um, is the dappled willow. So willow trees, you know, everybody knows of the good old weeping willow, um, but dappled willows come as a shrub also very um you you recognize them as you know very narrow leaves variegated green and white with a bit of a pink tinge to them um and so then dappled willow comes also grafted to a stem really great for like but its head will get really big right so it's kind of cool because it's almost the opposite of the rose of sharon where you need a a really narrow kind of tight spot for it the dappled willow can really make a make a hedge make a really nice privacy if you need that, uh, they definitely still do like it wet. Um, and uh, they, but they, so no real flower, it's more of a foliage color and just yeah. like the, the real kind of easy size, right? Yeah, that's right. So the most classic one you're probably going to see out there uh, is the tricolor willow or often um, the, the Japanese willow uh, or the cultivar name is that Hakuro Nishiki. Mm. willow and it's got that white green and pink on all that new growth uh that variegated growth but yeah she's hardy to zone 3b so she's got some good uh hardiness so she can uh get some good cold but yeah here in our area they'll grow about that eight feet by eight feet uh tall and wide but i've seen pictures where down in california um in the southern states 
uh, area. They've been 20 feet by 20 feet. So nice for a very quick grower, foliage, very small little leaflets, uh, easy to prune back. All that new growth comes out in that nice bright white with a pink tinge and slowly becoming dappled and variegated, much like the name uh, that name says. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think definitely um, higher maintenance in the sense that it, it does get big and needs some pruning, but yeah, you can't yes. go wrong. Like it's, it's not one of those where like the lilac, you have to be worried about pruning at the wrong time or, you know, yeah. anything that flowers, right. Is a little bit more like, Oh, you're nervous about it. Whereas the dappled willow, and I have a lot of people who I've actually had this quite a bit where um, the neighbor, like, the, where I'm at, they love it, but it, the neighbor actually has it. But so they're like, oh, we don't need anything in that corner because our neighbor has that big tree and or that big shrub. And I'm like, oh, that's a dappled willow. And um, <laughs> so it, it will extend to uh, to enjoy, you know, uh, beyond your fence line. So uh, so yeah, so that is a good one. It's, it's shocking that it is still a grafted tree. Um, they don't, they're pretty good. Eh? Like, I don't know that they sucker or anything. Not usually, not unless they're really, really stressed or or get damaged or something like that. Um, I've actually got one that got really hit in early in the spring right now in the garden center. Uh, and so she her head's kind of recovering and she suckered <laughs> a couple on the bottom. Okay. Uh, but other than that, no, I, they don't really go crazy unless there's a really issue with them. Um, I've seen sometimes the graft will get like a, a fungus to it um, and then um it'll basically just kind of fail or that might cause it to sucker but other than that there are pretty uh easy uh low maintenance and again like you were saying you just kind of prune them uh let them do their thing yeah, yeah. and i mean it is nice that you still could plant things underneath it like you still yeah. have a low hedge you could still have perennials below it you know that kind of thing so those are still the advantage of all of the standard shrubs is that you're really just increasing the height of the flowering shrub and the flower and the interest in your yard and then still lets you have some you know things below and the form in the winter so even though it doesn't have leaves all of these will lose their leaves um but you've got some interest in some branching and yet it's not a super big big tree so so yeah that's why we kind of felt like we wanted to talk a little bit about um, flowering uh, standards for you guys, because <laughs> uh, I think that it is a key uh, important uh, part in the garden. And one, I think homeowners, when they're doing their own gardens, don't think about, you know, I think gardens are often very low and very, which is fine or very, everything's kind of the same size, right? So, you know, and, and that could easily happen with Julia's, Spireas, Lilacs, um, hydrangeas they're all if you're just getting what you see at the garden center or you know see online they're all that four or five feet at, at maturity right unless you're looking for specific varieties um, so I think you can end up with a, and even and then even then you've got the level of perennials that are all like two feet right and so we've got this really um, you know it's a it's a it's a lovely garden but I think when you add something a bit more of a feature and I think often people think about Japanese maples that's where they're like oh well we need something different so then they add a Japanese maple just like everybody <laughs> else on the street but and which is that is a great choice and there are a lot of good Japanese maples and we've done a show in the past about Japanese maples a show or two I'm sure over yes. the years um, but uh, I think flowering standards are a are, are, are really uh, cool thing to add to your garden so uh, right? I agree. Yeah. That's right. 
That's right. So as we pass the bottom of the hour here, uh, I just want to stop and say thank you, everyone, uh, for joining us here on tonight, the pre-recorded uh, episode, the birthday episode here right. on Reality Radio 101. I'm Matthew Dressing here with my co-host, Joanne Shaw, and you're listening to Down the Garden Path. Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path each week bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you uh, from our research and from the guests that join us here on the show. Don't forget, you can spend more time with us down the garden path. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Our handle there is at Down the Garden Path Podcast. You can also find us on your favorite podcast provider. And while you're there, please hit that subscribe button to be notified of new content. And please don't forget to like, share, and leave us a comment. We love hearing from you. And you can always write us here, whether it's pre-recorded or not, at instudio101 at gmail.com. And don't forget to check us out on our website. You can find Joanne at www.downthenumber2earth.ca. And you can find myself at www.naturalaffinity.ca. That's right. Thank you, our little infomercial <laughs> that uh, breaks up our now. show. But yeah, there's a lot of information and we found we are always rushing through it, right? So, um, and since this is our, I mean, I think we did a great job covering and I hope everybody really enjoyed and I can't wait to hear some feedback about um, a flowering uh, standard shrub that you might have added to your own garden. Um, I can't see it, um, but, uh, but there we go. But Matthew, happy birthday. Thank you, Joanne. Happy birthday to you too. Happy so, birthday to you too. So you. this is a, um, if you don't know, we decided to re-record. I've always been excited on past shows. Um, it's our birthday. It's our birthday. And we have the same, same birthday every single year, obviously. That makes no sense. Uh, but we <laughs> discovered that, that we had that same birthday one day. Uh, and so I, I've been long awaiting August 9th, 2021, uh, because we get to do a show on the birthday. But as you know, we're pre-recorded. Um, I was told that I cannot do um, my birthday episode yes. on my show. Uh, it's the big four zero for, for yes. me today. Happy birthday so, for you, you. In, in a few days. <laughs> in a few days. Uh, yeah, that's, right, but yeah. that's right. So yeah, so it's a special birthday. So you should not have to spend it with me. <laughs> um, well, I'm not sure you'd love to spend it with me and our listeners, but uh, exactly. yes, exactly. yes, definitely. So, um, so that's good. So you have been busy. You've been busy at the garden center. You've been busy uh, doing some designs. Uh, tell yeah. me what else is, how is it, how are things at the garden center? Yeah. You know what? The garden center, um, there's lots of great products still arriving. Again, the Rose of Sharon's, um, Sweet Spires, um, Hydrangeas. There's lots of different things that are in bloom. The perennial hibiscus. So like Rose of Sharon, this is the perennial uh, hibiscus where you get the big broad uh, trilobed leaves and those dinner plate size blooms there in stock. There's lots of color, there's lots of flower uh, still available at your local garden center. Our garden center, we're finding just being here in Ontario, uh, we had that lockdown for the longest time and we were one of the places that you could still go. Mm -hmm. uh, so we've had a lot of people coming in and visiting and spending lots of time at our garden center. So now as things have opened up again, uh, we are finding it a little slower than normal as people are headed out to the patios and, you know, we're able to get back together, eat in restaurants, go to our cottages. 
uh, the restrictions have dropped. So we are finding it a little slower, but you know, don't forget there's lots of stuff to be found. There are great perennials. There's still a great selection of trees and shrubs, uh, houseplants, all sorts of things that we have uh, available at the garden center. So, yeah, you say because normally it does, you know, August, it can be a slow month and a slow month at the garden center. But do you think like is the stats really showing it is even slower than usual? Yeah, yeah. And it just yeah, it's a little definitely a little slower than than normal. Yeah, uh, yeah. for sure, for sure. And we can even just even uh, myself and the staff, we can just feel it like it's there's just almost no one there. And oh, gosh, <laughs> it's a different hard. vibe this year, which is a little hard. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Can only tend the plants for so long before they're just like, yeah. go away from me. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure, for sure. Well, people, I think, forget too that you do also have, um, you also have a house plant and you have tropicals and you have um, a, a hardware and, and, and different and lots of like furniture and you know so most garden centers I don't think people automatically think to go to uh, the big box stores for some of that stuff but garden centers actually, actually have it too so uh, and sometimes really you know more unique and special things I know you've got a great so now this is the advertisement for your garden center but yeah, yeah there's <laughs> lots of reasons to go to your uh, your uh, local garden center still and support local smaller businesses um at this time right that's right all your you know in, independent garden centers are relying on uh, all of you now to uh, keep them afloat and keep them uh definitely you know brick and mortar versus just online or going to the big box stores that have uh you know national and sometimes international support yeah. whereas your independent garden centers really are that mom and pop shop that's going yeah to really beautify your community so yeah. definitely get out there and support uh, you know, your local uh, labor force, your local landscapers, your local horticulturists and garden centers, for sure. Mm -hmm. 100%. <laughs> yeah, because I often hear, you know, people disappointed at the service at the big box stores, uh, you know, that people don't, the, the workers there don't know their plants and don't, you know, whatever, whatever. But it's like, well, I think garden centers start to have more educated staff and more qualified experienced staff, not always, but they try. Um, so I think, you know, that's where you've got to go to kind of support that industry, support our industry, continue to do that. So, uh, so something to think about there. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And that's one of the things I always hear too. Um, just, you know, well, you know, it's, you know, it's $5 cheaper over at the big box store or Walmart or, yeah. you know, it's cheaper over here, but you know, they don't have the, you know, trained staff who can answer your questions. Right. Uh, so yeah, go in now. It's a little slower. Don't forget to visit us and ask us questions. <laughs> it's a great time to corner one of us and talk landscape design or insect yes. disease. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Um, well, there was something else I was going to ask and I forgot about it. Oh, your your plot. What do we call it? We I don't know. We've talked much about it on the show, but you've got a garden because you've always talked about your balcony garden. So you still have your little balcony garden, but you got a plot. Like, what are we calling it? Is it a plot? Yeah. What's it called? Well, you know what? It, I, I signed up for a little garden plot in um, with the uh, uh, Whitby Ajax Garden Club uh, up uh up near us, both of us, kind of halfway between the two of us. So it's just a little veggie garden, a community veggie garden. Uh, but it's really cool about these guys, the Whippy Ajax Garden Project is what it's called. Uh, you can find them on Instagram uh, as well. 
Uh, but they've got a great little community garden in this kind of little wooded valley with lots of community gardens for people to come and garden, uh, kind of like a, a four foot by 30 foot plot. But then they also have uh, what's unique is the people in the community garden are also tending other community gardens that they don't get to really plan, but that we maintain. And the food grown in those plots are all donated to local food banks and other... Uh, right, other other you know local community initiatives where to just to feed the need and just get people uh, some food when they need to. So okay. uh, definitely shout out to Whippy Ajax uh, Garden Project. Um, news about my plot. Uh, you know what? I ended up having to give it up. Unfortunately. <gasps> oh, I didn't know, Matt. Yes, I didn't know. We hadn't really talked about it, and and you know, you and I have been we've been so busy uh, designing and and maintaining gardens, and and I've got my other um, uh, at the garden center and and my design business. So luckily, you know what? I've just I've had so much stuff to do and uh, take over. So I was able to you know donate that plot back, uh, and uh, they were able to put it to use for uh, some of the, uh, uh, you know, more donations. Oh, right? okay. Because you did plant so, some stuff in it. Just a little bit of stuff, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. So okay. They are, they're going to top up with whatever they ended up needing. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. And, and Sorry to put you on the so, spot. I didn't realize No, that. no, yeah. not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, And it definitely. was kind of later in the season, like, you know, in, in the sense I know you had to kind of scramble to kind of start thinking about what you were going to use versus, you know, thinking about the whole year. You know, so many people plan all winter, right? Yes. So. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to hopefully rejoining the Whippy uh, uh, Ajax Garden Project next season, uh, next growing season, do a little bit of planning. And uh, and maybe you need to share stuff. it because maybe we'll all share it with you because, you know, because 40 by 30 is a lot. Uh, well, four, no, sorry, it's, it's, four, four by 30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four yeah. by 30. But still, 30 feet's a lot. Um, it is. It so. is a, it's a, yeah, beautiful stuff. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so anyway. Okay. Well, that is cool. Um, so, yeah, I've been, I've been designing. Uh, it's been a season. Um, I'm trying <laughs> to start. I've been overwhelmed, I feel like, since February. Um, so, I've really uh, been operating at this, like, whew, all, all out and it's just not sustainable so uh so yeah so i've really tried to um slow down a little bit and uh, take a lead from some of the other designers that i that i know who've really paid they did a better job of pacing themselves throughout the season where i'm just such a people pleaser i'm like oh i can see you i can see you again this week i can see you you know and that's great mm -hmm. but you just then don't have the time to really do the work um so i have a few designs on my desk from july I'm not taking any new designs for August and I'm booking, I'm actually booked out of September right now. So my next, I have somebody that has written me an email that I need to return their call and um, book that for an October appointment. So, um, you know, and I think that's, these are all jobs for the future. There's no sense, you know, there's urgency in the sense that I know everybody wants to get planning. Um, but I think it's just, I just need to kind of start start thinking ahead because it's it's also tricky to juggle there's always the like little installs that are happening at the same time and even jobs that we've booked shockingly so do you realize that i'm still we are still with the different contractors that i'm working with we, it is august and we are still installing jobs that we booked in 2020 I believe it. Yep. I yeah, heard of that so, a couple of times. Yeah. So the, I think the end of our, one of the, like the jobs in August, 
offer my one particular, you know, design. It was my design. So the only design so far that I booked that I did in 2021 is going to be installed, you know, probably the last week, hopefully they're not listening, the last week of August, uh, the first week of September. So, I mean, that shows you the way the season, just because of the volume and the weather has contributed a little bit of a slowdown this year. So any listeners who are considering getting anything done, I, I think everybody's figured that out. My, this actual email that I got today, um, they are actually planning something for 2023. They want it installed um, spring of 2023. So they want to get started on the planning now. So, wow, you know, that's, that's wow. Right. So I think um, that has been, you know, a bit of a challenge. Um, it's good. I'm not complaining. You know, I you know I often get asked the question of, oh, what do you do in the winter? Well, you know, last winter, I still could keep designing. And this winter, I think I'll still be able to keep designing, which is ultimately the goal. It's just nice to not have that insane volume. And I know it's hard. Everybody's keen and especially April, May, June, you know, they really wanted me there and it was hard to say no. But um, but yeah, I think it, it just serves us all best if uh, you can you can pace it a little bit and and spread it out because, you know, there's the smaller jobs like I do quite a few um, where I just garden only, you know, planting plans and then put the, you know, then that's ordering the plans, ordering the plants, going and placing the plants you know, that type of thing, which, which in and of itself isn't hard, but that just is all like, I am not great about breaking up my days. Like I can't get super productive, you know, from nine to 12, nine to 11, and then go, go pl place a plant, plant order, you know, from, a, from, from 12 to two, and then get back at my computer. Like it just, I don't know, that's just not the way I work. I wish I was. <laughs> but uh, I'm better with bigger blocks of time, you know, and also not keeping the other thing I've got to get better at is um, I've been working six and a half days, like, you know, trying to take Sunday afternoons off or Saturday afternoons off, like really, that also is not sustainable. So, uh, so yeah, so uh, uh, enough about me. I don't mean to be whining. I'm definitely grateful. <laughs> I'm so excited. I've got some really, really cool projects on the go and some really great gardens that we've installed lately that I can't wait to share. I haven't even had time to really even share them on Instagram or, or social media. So I'm hoping to do, do that a little bit in August as well. Oh, <laughs> very good. Sorry. Very good. Yes. How do you go there? Yeah, no, that sounds, yeah, I think I agree. I, you need to slow down. <laughs> Half a day off. Oh, that's oh, crazy. I, I know, couldn't do eh? it. I couldn't I do know. it. I know. I uh, know. No, that's awesome that you had a great year. And I yeah. too have had a, a good year doing a lot of more so, um, you know, planting plans and garden plans and getting orders and, and laying them out. I've got an installation uh, this week and another consultation. Uh, later on the weekend uh, and then I'm out for my birthday and no one un is getting Ooh, me so hopefully excellent. are you yes break. yes <laughs> good 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 just for a few days or just the day or what do you I know you normally take your day your birthday off yes birthday is my day no one gets it but me uh, and then yeah I have so I have the ninth and the 10th uh, it's squirreled away for myself so. oh good good and then back to work back to and back to work back to work okay well, that is good. And uh, yeah, excellent. What about you? Any plans for your birthday? No, not, I mean, not really. I know my husband just asked me that just before the show started. So, uh, so probably go out for dinner, which is always nice, but it would be nice. We do have a pool. It'd be nice to kind of chill 
um, by the pool and that considering the six and a half, I've only been in the pool twice. Can you believe it? <laughs> I know I will often sit today. I did it too. I said, I'll sit on the edge and eat my lunch with my feet in the pool kind of thing. But, uh, oh, yeah, that's nice too, though. yeah, it is nice. It is nice, but to actually just get in. So, you know, it'd be nice to just have like a really relaxing kind of day. One of those days, um, read a book, um, and just chill. So, uh, so yeah, so right now that's the plan. I don't have anything else uh, on the go, but uh, yeah. And uh, you know, and it, again, I wanted to say, you know, even virtual the, the, with Zoom and with the pandemic, it really has changed things. You know, it's been great to meet people, yeah. um, to do the Zoom calls, to do um, some virtual designs uh, from a distance too, you know? So I'm definitely don't wanna seem ungrateful at all. I just. I just feel like I, I just try to make, you know, do it all. And sometimes I just bite off more than I can chew and, uh, <laughs> and stuff. So, uh, so yeah, so I look forward to a great fall. I look forward to an, uh, you know, I can't wait to share with some of the, oh, and um, I did a garden wall. We, have we talked much about the wall that I did? No. And I was, I, yeah. yes. Talk about your wall. Cause I saw that on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. Uh, that was amazing. You got to definitely tell our listeners about this wall. Yeah. So I had a client who really wanted, had this niche kind of spot on her, on her deck that, you know, the deck backs into like an existing garage that was unfinished, that they were able to create this little um, alcove in the, in the wall and um, put in a uh, fully irrigated, um, beautiful, you know, you often see them inside with house plants, like you see them in office buildings or different yeah. public, public buildings, but this is outside and it was like the perfect spot. It has the right amount of light in the right direction. Um, not about flowers. It was more about texture. So yeah, it, it was a year in the planning, um, but we did it. So tell us a little bit about like, what are the lighting conditions that were there for this wall? Is it full sun, uh, bright yeah. indirect light? Yeah, no bright indirect light, I would say. So it is a north facing wall, but it def definitely, there's nothing blocking the west sun, you know, to get to it in the afternoon. Right. And uh, yeah, so Livescape Canada, um, Ashley from Livescape Canada, I found her uh, about a year ago and we kind of came up with this plan and uh, client had some, you know, great input as in the sense that she wanted flower or she didn't really necessarily want flower, she wanted texture. Um, and you know variation in the in the texture, and uh, it's over 200. They're one gallon pots. Yeah, they are over 200 of them. On, unbelievably, we we've got we haven't quite nailed them exactly what our plan is um, for wintering. Um, we've got a say. couple of options. Yeah, we have a couple of options. The the big um, garage is often we're able to winter things in that garage if we want to. Um, I've gotten some advice that if we just blanket it on the wall, that it could actually stay on the wall. I mean, we know it's going to be trial and error initially, how much we lose or what doesn't make it. Um, boxwoods, um, two varieties of hostas, some ivy. Um, right, I was say, so what kind of plants? Yeah, are, so we just went for you... texture. So you have to kind of see the pictures on Instagram. So please take a look. Um, I'll share. I have it on my personal Instagram, but I can share it to the podcast as well. Um, so hostas and two different ones, a solid green ones, a variegated, um, ornamental grasses, like the low forest grass as, which was made a beautiful, like carpet swoosh carpet. Cause it's so soft and lush. And then, nice. um, oh, ice dance sedge that came, that was, that worked out really well. And then we've got some Ivy in there also and boxwood. So, um, so yeah, so it really, 
Um, I turned out, you know, even better than I imagined. Sorry, as I adjust my headphones. Um, yeah, so that has been a neat project. And now the whole rest of the backyard is also being installed. So that I'm hoping will be ready in the next couple of weeks. I was tagging trees. They're getting some large trees installed. So I was at the grower this morning tagging some large trees uh, for that project. So it is definitely been, you know, we started the design in 20, beginning of 2020 and here we are mid 2021 and it's still kind of going on. So it's going to be a really, really cool project. Very cool. And, and just uh, what city did you do the design in? Like where? where oh, it's in Pickering. It's here. Actually, it's five minutes. The best part of all of this um, <laughs> is that it's been five minutes from my house. So, so yes, uh, definitely. Uh, if you're interested and I hope we can do a show with Ashley um, talking about maybe house plants and, and her whole system, uh, because I think it'd be a great feature. It, she does do very many installations inside homes. This was just a really unique, and it shockingly, I just worked out. It was like a, you know, kind of a big ask from the client. But then when we looked at, okay, it's very protected. If it rains, it doesn't get rained on. The, the garage was already unfinished and they were about to finish it. And it was just a, it's a very big garage kind of set back. And so that the deck is very big. So it would have been just a really big, boring wall. So she really wanted to try something different and uh, yeah. That's a great way to just use again that vertical space that would have otherwise just sat empty, right? And now, yeah, what a great way! Yeah, That's definitely, awesome. definitely. So, again, I mean, as much as busy as I've been, um, it's been exciting to work on so many of these really cool projects. So, uh, so yeah, so stay tuned when I finally have time to start posting about them and sharing more about them. Uh, I would love uh, for you to know. So, yeah, and uh, our birthday episode is coming to a close, isn't it? It is. It is the episode where we share a birthday on our birthday. I honestly <laughs> didn't look to see if it ever happens again uh, oh, anytime yeah. soon. <laughs> Probably not soon, but, but uh, anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah. So no, this was a good show. I mean, I think I'm, I'm sorry we couldn't take questions, but definitely once the show airs, we're always, as Matt said, midway through the show, we're always happy to answer your questions. Um, whether you're messaging us directly in our emails or, or on, in, on social media, we definitely love um, to hear from you. We'd love to know more about um, uh, what shows you'd like to hear coming up for the rest of the year. That's always a great thing, right? And, yeah. uh, and then we are going to next week talk about, what are we talking about next week? Yeah, next week we are August 16th. We are looking at a deep dive on flowering dogwoods. Uh, so there are a couple of native species in North America, uh, some great cultivars and hybrids that we're going to talk about and how we can use those and troubleshoot those if you've got them uh, out in your landscape. So stay tuned for that. That's a fantastic, going to be a great show. I'm looking forward to it. After that, we're looking at August 23rd and it's going to be large flowering trees. Uh, so we're going to look at some of those big guys that everybody loves and then just... Uh, do I have the space for that? Right. Uh, so, right. Yeah. Well, magnolias, those, uh, you know, some bigger, those bigger cherries, things like that. Uh, so we'll take a quick look at those. And then we're going to round out, I think we're going to round out August at the moment uh, with a follow up to all of our summer topics, your questions and our answers. So if you didn't get a chance to ask a tree, a shrub, or a perennial question, or you've got just something kind of bugging your garden and you want some help, uh, we're going to take all of those uh, questions for sure. Excellent. 
If you've got more tree questions, don't forget to check us out um, on your favorite podcast provider. We've done uh, last year we did in August was also our uh, tree month. So we've got some great uh, episodes there. We've got our native tree episode. We've got our deep dive on all of Japanese maples. And uh, we've got some uh, native tree care as well uh, through 2020 or 2020, uh, and as well as some other tree question and answers. If you can't wait to the 30th, because we love it when you join us. That's right. That's right. We definitely do. And uh, we want to thank everybody for listening uh, once again. And uh, we thank you. I'm sure that if we were live, people would be wishing us happy birthday. So thank you. <laughs> yes, thank um, you, everybody. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and uh, we uh, really appreciate you listening. Uh, please join our Facebook group. We really want to start to, to be there more and and uh, and get more questions from you there and, and more dialogue and conversation. So uh, Facebook group down the garden path podcast. Uh, please check us out there. That's um, right. Yeah, excellent. And so we want to yeah. I just to say, don't forget to check us out on our own websites as well. Um, you can find Joanne at www.downthenumber2earth.ca and you can find myself at www.naturalaffinity.ca and all of our social media links and email yep. as well there. Uh, and again, thank you all the listeners who maybe have sent in some questions or wish us happy birthday. Thank you very much. You can always write us here at instudio101 at gmail.com. Excellent. All right. Bye, everybody. Thanks for joining us down the garden path here on Reality Radio 101.